We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hi, it's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie. It's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, this is pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And now, a thought from Geico Motorcycle. It took 15 minutes to take a spirit animal quiz online. Please be the cheetah. Please be the cheetah. And learn your animal isn't the cheetah, but the far less appealing blobfish. Oh, come on. To add insult to injury, you could have used those 15 blobfish minutes to switch your motorcycle insurance to Geico. Geico. 15 minutes could save you 15% or more on motorcycle insurance. Welcome to the Barcelona Podcast, bringing you the hottest breaking stories from the Camp Know. I'm Dan Hilton, as always, joined across the ocean by Francesco Tomas. And we thank you again for joining us for another edition of the Barcelona Podcast, where if you're tuning in on an iPhone, please subscribe via iTunes. If it's Android, it's Google Play, and on Spotify on either device. Five stars is great, so you can also find us on social media at the Barcelona Pod on Twitter, or at HiltonD13 as well, and on Instagram, of course, at the Barcelona Pod. What are we talking about today? We've got plenty today, I think, given the result against Getafe and couple of recent results as well didn't really go away. I think we're going to look at whether fans are right to be worried because the vast majority of people, particularly in social media, seem to be over panicking at this point. So the grand pregunta today is should Barcelona fans be worried about recent results? Um, after that, I've got a fantastic interview. I was joined by Adil from Barca19 Stats at Twitter. For We just talked about the latest Barca news really and um, he gives a very, very positive spin and a really in-depth spin that I think you really will enjoy. And then we're going to close up with listener questions, as always. The Barcelona Podcast 61 starts right here. But before we do get to La Gran Pregunta, I do have to say we have a sponsor, of course, and you heard it on last week's show. And here's week number two for our sponsor, and it's Ticket Compare. At Ticket Compare, the goal is to make it easier for fans to embrace their passion for live events. We do all of the heavy lifting by searching and comparing multiple ticket sites to provide fans with the best deals for their next big live event. 
Whether it is live sports, music, festivals, or the arts, getting your hands on tickets for live events can be a real pain. Tickets sell out at the box office in a flash, and websites that stock them have widely differing prices. Ticket Compare aims to get rid of that pain by comparing the best deals available across different ticket sites and showing you the best price. Ticket Compare's cutting-edge search algorithms help us provide fans with the ability to create truly memorable experiences across the world's greatest venues. To ensure our users have a fantastic experience when using our service, we diligently screen all of the sites that we compare. We regularly provide website reviews that reflect the current marketplace so that users can make informed decisions about where to buy. So if you are thinking about visiting Barcelona, of course, this is Frances and I speaking now. Head over to tbpod.link backslash tickets for a surprise you and yours will never forget. And of course, you can go to Ticket Compare, but if you go to tbpod.link backslash tickets, again, that would help Frances and I out as well as we continue to try to make new editions of the Barcelona podcast where we answer things in the Gran Pregunta, such as, should Barcelona fans be worried about the team's result of late? Which is our question of the day today. Yes, and I don't really think results have been as bad as people seem to be saying online. Sure, we drew against Getafe, we've drawn against Espanyol recently, we also lost against them in the away game in La Copa, we've drawn at Celta, also in La Copa, but if you think about it in depth, we're still unbeaten, 23 matches in La Liga, if I'm not wrong, and our results of late haven't really been that bad. I mean, in La Copa, we had the semi-finals against Valencia, they are a fantastic team, and particularly at home, they were a very, very difficult nut to crack. But we won 1-0 at home in the way leg, 2-0 away in Valencia. Then in terms of La Liga, we continue strongly, and if results are not as bad as people are saying. So I would say we need to be a little bit positive about that. Yeah, I look at the last eight games in particular, or eight matches, if you will. Five wins, two draws, and one loss. That's just the last eight matches. So, And that one loss coming, of course, the one you mentioned in La Copa against Espanyol. And yet, in those eight matches, Frances, only three goals total conceded. And so the way I think of it is, while it looks like the form has dipped of late, offensively at least, the defense has been as rock solid as ever. Where against Hitafe, you know, I'm watching that match, and right around the 50th minute, I'm thinking to myself, this is certainly going to end 0-0. Barcelona just, Hatafe have a really good setup, and credit to them as well. They got everybody behind the ball. They had a nice defensive formation, and Barcelona legs were tired. We'll talk about that in a second. But defensively, a makeshift defense with Yuri Mina and Lucas Dini as center backs looked like they were not going to concede a goal all evening. And that's exactly what happened, that that defense is so rock solid, and that is enough in today's modern football. If that defense can continue to operate like it is, then they have a shot against anybody. It's one of the best defenses in the world. Absolutely. And the best start of our club's history in La Liga is actually these seasons. Like we've had Pep Guardiola, Tito Villanova, Luis Enrique, and many coaches over the years that have started particularly well. But the best start of the season to our La Liga season is, is, is this time, this time round. So there isn't really a reason to over panic. Obviously, Barca going goalless at the Camp Nou hasn't happened for a year and a half, so we need to be wary of that. November 2016 was the last time that Barca didn't score at the Camp Nou. Um, it also was the first game since Valverde took charge in terms of an official game in La Liga that Barca did not score. So again, a little bit of alarm bells could ring if you were over dramatic, but you know it's, it's a little little fact to sort of continue to have at the back of our minds. Uh, it is a wake-up call. 
We are seven points ahead of Atletico Madrid and 17 points ahead of Madrid. Obviously, they've got a game in hand, but even if they win it, that's 14 points still over Madrid, which anybody in their right mind would have definitely, definitely signed for that before the end of the season. Uh, it's just had, you know, the difference has decreased lately, but, you know, it does happen. Um, throughout the year, you always have a couple of matches that don't go your way. And the one I mean, Hedafi certainly didn't, but we still got a draw out of that. So I'm not really too worried at all. I think that we need to be wary. We need to understand that the players are tired. Um, because we keep challenging for El Triplete, players are hard to give that extra oomph of energy in La Copa. And you've got people like, for example, Busquets, definitely Iniesta, you can really tell. Um, Piquet sort of has ongoing injuries happening. And, you know, people are not at the, at the peak form. But for that to say that we should over panic at this moment in time, I don't think it's right. Yeah, I completely agree with that. For me, looking at the last three weeks again, it's that Umtiti returns from injury, Coutinho debuts at the club, Yurimina debuts at the club, Dembele comes back from another injury, his second, and so even if they're exhausted, as Sergio Busquets kind of alluded to in his post-game match interview after Hadafe, that a tired Barcelona who's gone through all of these different changes, integrating all these new players in, it's what we were talking about in the fall, is that you know we're building towards the end of the season, and they're, they, they've reinforced the squad, they did what they had to do in the January transfer window, and you'd have to say that they should be improving and getting better and learning each other's mannerisms and the different mechanisms that needs to break down those park the bus kind of defenses like Hadafe. And it's going to take a little bit of time. And Coutinho, while he did struggle against Valencia, he has had those moments where his shots from outside the box have troubled keepers and it's added a different dimension. And so even though Ernesto Valverde even didn't necessarily rate Yuri Mina too highly in training he was forced to start him against Hadafe and as I had mentioned now two weeks ago he was a threat in the box on those headers and that's another facet of Barcelona's on the offensive end of things and so even with as exhausted as they are to me this week now marks a checkpoint of the season where they only have one Copa del Rey game remaining and that's the final two months from now so now all the attention is rightfully so on finishing up tying up La Liga and worrying about the Champions League now upcoming against Chelsea. You know, for me, and even a former guest of the show, uh, Diana Christine on Twitter, had a really good point that the team seems to be slow to move the ball in possession around the opponent's penalty box, and that's an issue where you're stalling, and they're not finding those spaces, and again, guys look tired. And while the week off is going certainly to help, the bigger thing, again, is that time that they're playing together, in their time they're training together, the time that... Coutinho was working with Dembele, who, again, have only been together for two training sessions, I think, total. And while they subbed out at the same time against Hadafe, those kind of relationships with Coutinho potentially on the left and Dembele on the right, those things are going to take time. And so that time together in training and particularly on the pitch and in some of those upcoming La Liga matches is going to be so important to the end of the season as matches become more and more important. And for Coutinho... As we already talked about, he can go all in on the Liga now because Coutinho doesn't have to worry about the Champions League. Of course, and also with Coutinho, you need to know that he's not a Barca player as such. He's not a traditional Barca player who understands the tempo and can pausa, which is can pause the game as he develops. He's more of a player that is sort of from attacking mentality, someone who runs between the lines, someone who is most of the time 
more, more effective when he receives the ball in transition. So when he's already started to accelerate, so he can run at defenders. Now, coming back and playing the Iniesta role without being Iniesta is very, very difficult. And that's what Valverde expected Coutinho to do against Getafe. And, you know, as you said, and you hit the nail right on the head in there, it is early days. There are a lot of players who are adapting at this moment in time. And all we need is patience. Now, I do understand that Barca cannot play as if La Liga was already over. Um, that interview with Busquets after the game that, that you referred to earlier, he also did say that, in a way, it is a positive that people are realizing the league is not over because people have been far too euphoric up to this point and, in a way, discrediting the incredible run they've had. And when you run into difficulties like we seem to have done in the last couple of matches, that's when people actually wake up and realize what a great, great run we've had so far. Um, in terms of the game and what you do while you're playing, it is important that players don't misuse possession. And Barca did that against Getafe pretty much throughout the whole game. Um, we need to be able to impose our tempo. We need to make sure that rivals are chasing the ball, not the players. And that's really important, particularly during the first half, because that's when they actually get tired and we come back into the second half to kill them. And like we seem to have done for the vast majority of the season. But against Getafe, there wasn't that purpose, that attacking purpose that we kept referring to in our previous podcast, which, as always, I really recommend people who haven't listened, go back and, and have a look at that. But it's all about purpose. It's all about attacking effectiveness. When you take your first shot on goal on the 49th minute, then you know that it may not actually be your day. But I really do think that if we continue to have purpose, we continue to be effective on passing and it's not that we allow ourselves games that we're not as inspired in but we need to understand that that can happen then I don't really have a a worry in the world I think we need to keep moving the team has the quality the player the players are with the manager the manager knows what to do and we just need to continue together as we have done so far knowing that the situation right now may not be the best yeah, but my, my one apprehension, and while Legrand Pergunta asked and posed the question of should we be worried about the recent results, you and I have unequivocally agreed that the answer is uh, we're not too worried. My only worry is that it is it is the middle of February, so while we're playing towards April and, and May, that's not too long ago away, so I'm just worried that the team won't be able to figure everything out and get on the same page in time. But in the same respect, while those are fears... You still have Luis Suarez, you still have Messi, you still have Iniesta, you still have Busquets, Rakitic, Ter Stegen, Umtiti, Pique, Jordi Alba, and guys who've been there before. So as much as I'm afraid to not having the time to get all the new players up to speed, if at least those new players are helping supplement the veterans who've won Champions League with Barcelona before, if they're able to do that and give them some fresh legs, then again, you have a 100% Iniesta going at the end of a season in the Champions League. Now, of course, we have to get through Chelsea first, but let's say, again, they can get through Chelsea, then you're talking the semifinal, maybe in the final of the Champions League, and you have 100% Iniesta. That's exactly what we're trying to do here. Of course, of course, Iniesta, I think, has always been key to Barcelona, but right now, Messi and Iniesta, they, they really cannot even be rested, and we talked about that in our Patreon show last week. Barcelona are a completely different team when either one of those key players, key La Masia, blood bearers um, are rested and we need to be sure that they are fresh when things really truly do matter um, about the Chelsea game obviously coming up really soon but I think we are where we need it to be 
Um, in terms of this last week as well, we qualified against Valencia in midweek. That is the team that we really wanted to beat and that is the game we had to sort of win in terms of still being challenging for the treble. Um, and that's what we needed to do. And then obviously those players were incredibly tired for the weekend. Uh, rotation happened, but up to a degree. And, you know, we didn't lose the game against Getafe. We're still seven points ahead. So I think that we need to give our cool heads and move forward because we are a privileged position and we need to make the most of this. Well, Francis, we got to keep the show moving. And you use that hot word in Patreon and you've got an announcement. I do, I do. I do have an announcement. Um, obviously, we have received a lot of support from patrons over the weeks and we are delighted with that. Um, last week, we published... Um, a patron show on Messi, so can Barcelona afford to rest Messi, which I just referred to just now. Uh, will Dembélé succeed at Barca despite their slow start is the one we're going to be talking about soon. How can Barca win the treble? How, why was Messi improved so drastically this season? So a lot of content already down there. Um, in the future, we're going to be publishing TV Pod in focus episodes, which are looking at the Barca grades, looking at the great technicians of the past looking at different eras so basically it's not going to be as timely as the, the show that you're listening to is but it we're going to be looking at history and for all of those that really want to get to know Barca I think that's going to be something that is unmissable and we're really proud that Dan and I have got the time to get that together for you and you know if you are interested and you think that's going to be something that you want to look at it's tvpod.link forward slash patreon that's tvpod.link forward slash Patreon. And as always, the early release of the second episode is going to happen there as well. Um, so yeah, I think you should really check it out. And the other thing to check out is the second half of the interview with La Entrevista, which today we actually give you the first half for this show. And that's from Adil Akinduki, a.k.a. Barca19 stats on Twitter, as you would better know him. And Adil and Frances break down more of what we were trying to answer in La Grande Pregunta and the current situation going on in the club and how to deal with all those different rotations. Here's that interview. Right, so um, as Dan just said, I am delighted to be joined by Adil El Kanduki, also known as Barca19 Stats on Twitter. Obviously very influential, one of my favorites on Twitter because he's always eager to find the latest facts and figures to keep us all updated. He's based in Morocco and he's joining us from there. Adil, how are you today? Uh, I'm fine. Thank you, Francesc. Uh, thank you for having me on your uh, podcast. I'm very, very proud and honored. Well, the honor is all ours. There's um, many people around the world that listen to the show, and I know that you have been following us from the start, and your updates always share a bit of light into what Barca is up to these days. So delighted to have you with us. Um, now, you're obviously a very keen Barca fan, so where did that all start? Uh, it started... Uh, nearly 20 years ago so uh, I was watching a game in 1997 uh, it was just a coincidence I was watch watching a game of Barcelona against uh, Compostela mm -hmm. and I was uh, very fascinated by, by a young player named uh, Ronaldo Nazario da Lima uh, he was phenomenal in that game and uh, after that, I started uh, following the team. I started falling in love with the team. Uh, Ronaldo left at the end of that season after a brilliant season. 
but I uh, my my love for Barcelona kept going. Uh, I started uh, researching and uh, reading about the history of the club, what uh, what it means to Catalonia, uh, the the struggle against uh, the Franco regime. I started reading about the achievements of achievements of the club in the in the in the in the in the in the past uh, about the style, the philosophy of of uh, of Barcelona, and uh, uh, after that we didn't have really the games uh, on TV. Uh, so uh, uh, since 2003, with the Bean Sports, uh, previously na- uh, known as Al- 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 Jazeera. We started having the games, and I uh, started following every single game. Uh, practically, I missed really few games since then. Uh, but I stuck with the team uh, through the, the the hard years between 2000 and 2005. Uh, it was very uh, challenging to 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 watch the team uh, uh, not compete and not win trophies, but uh, the, the the love of of, of of the team was always there, of the style of, of play. And uh, starting from 2004, uh, things completely changed. Uh, we had uh, 15 years of uh, total dominance uh, in, in, in Spain and in, in, in Europe. Uh, with uh, some fascinating football and some magicians on the on the field, uh, we won uh, four Champions Leagues since then, more than any other team. We won, uh, I think, six uh, or eight eight Liga titles, more than any other uh, Spanish team in that period. But winning is only secondary to to the magic of the of the players on the field that's why we love the team that's why we love the club it's the football that we play and that we enjoy very much absolutely and i agree with that um i started watching barca a little bit earlier than you but uh, in my teenage years i i did see ronaldo that was the season that i actually attended the camp no the most i was there pretty much every game because my my brother was playing for barca at the time so we had free tickets every single game. Uh, and Ronaldo okay. was absolutely out of this world. Um, we don't normally get um, guests that have been following Barca for that long. So I'm going to ask you a question because you sort of mentioned the dark years in the early 2000s. That was the Fan Hall period. Um, how did you get through that? Because we weren't really that good, were we? I mean, we did get far in different competitions, but the style of play... It just obviously got transformed by Guardiola later. So, what do you remember of those dark years? Yeah, we sort of lost our our path in that in that period. We didn't have that uh, that uh, winning personality of of, of the club uh, with the, the managers that came and go without leaving any uh, positive uh, uh, effect on the on the, the style of play with uh, the boards that were very struggling to make the right decisions to bring the right players uh, to promote the right players uh, it was very hard to 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 witness that for for five years we we didn't win anything which is very strange for a club like uh, like barcelona uh, but we always have that faith that uh, that uh, that uh, distinguish us from other fans. We always know that Barcelona will bounce, bounce back. 
And uh, luckily, we had uh, Juan Laporta who came and uh, changed uh, changed the dynamic. Uh, Frank Rijkaard came and changed uh, the the dynamic. And Ronaldinho with his magic, uh, we started noticing that the club and the team has that uh, have that winning mentality to to go and try to to win everything. And we started imposing our style of play with uh, with uh, with a beautiful football, but also also efficient. And since then, everything changed. Everything did change. Everything did change. And obviously, the Pep Guardiola era is always going to be, you know, a privileged part of our hearts because we were spoiled for so many years, were we? And and that was that was tremendous. Now on Sunday, Barca drew nil nil at home against Getafe and. That was very, very far from the Pep Guardiola magnificent football. And to be fair, it wasn't very similar either to the sort of football we've been playing this very season. It was a game to forget. So in your eyes, why were Barcelona unable to break Getafe down? I think that the main reason is, 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 is a physical one. I think we, we focused... Much more on the Copa semi-finals against Valencia, we drained our key players and we didn't uh, rest them for those games against uh, against uh, Espanyol and Getafe. Uh, now teams play uh, defensive football against us, they pack the bus, knowing that we don't have the legs to go and and uh, and. Uh, and uh, create a, a dynamic uh, attacking uh, aspects of our football. Uh, I don't think that uh, Valverde uh, had his priorities right. I think we shouldn't have gone all out for the Copa games and rested a few players for, for what is more important, which is La Liga title and Champions League. Okay, uh, Valverde after the game in La Copa, he was incredibly happy, quite euphoric, I would say. Like I haven't heard him before this year, um, celebrating the the Barca qualification for the Copa del Rey final. So in your eyes, he should have rotated that game and sort of prioritized the Getafe. Is that what you're saying? Uh, not specifically that game, but in the competition overall, because since the 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 second second leg against Espanyol, we Played all out our gala starting lineup. Every game, every key player is is starting uh, for three weeks in a row in the Copa games midweek. So uh, I think, uh, in my opinion, the Copa del Rey is a competition that is mainly for the bench bench players and for the youngsters. If you try to go for three competitions, you have to have your priorities right. You can't really focus on everything. Uh, I think it's the obsession with, uh, with, uh, with winning and travel, with winning the three players. Mm-hmm. That's, uh, that's, uh, that's, uh, that's hurt the team sometimes, like in the last uh, two, two years uh, with Luis Enrique. We, we watched that uh, in, in March, in April and May, we start to, to see uh, how the players are, are fatigued and uh, how the legs are, are heavy. So we start dropping points and we start uh, uh, losing games uh, and challenges in Champions League games. 
uh, that's not worth it, in my opinion, to, to go all in for, for the, the least, uh, least important competition of the, of the season. Okay, yeah, and I think based on the attendance in the last game, because in the semi-finals it was around 50,000, which, you know, sounds like a lot, but the camp, no, let's face it, was half empty. I think the vast majority of culés that live in Barcelona actually could agree with you. The Copa was not really that important at all to them, because otherwise they would have turned up. And obviously, Nestalla was full, despite the tickets being incredibly expensive. So I think that that gives you the difference between both clubs and how how precious that competition is to them. So I think I think you do have a point. Now, fast forward into today then, on Sunday, for the listeners of the podcast. Um, Barca did not bring Getafe, and there was a very expensive player that we signed in the summer called Ousmane Dembele. He came into the second half. He looked very nervous. Obviously, he was quite clumsy, and he made several mistakes. Um, but obviously, he's been away for five months, away to injury. So, are you worried that he won't fulfill his, his full potential, or do you think that this is just part of the process? Uh, no, no, I'm not worried. I think uh, he's having his uh, kind of his preseason now with uh, with the team. He didn't have a preseason uh, with Barcelona, nor with uh, with uh, Borussia Dortmund. So it was uh, it was really uh, thrown into the, into the pit of fire uh, at the start. Uh, he was injured. First time against Getafe, uh, I remember that. And uh, today he made his comeback after his second uh, injury. Uh, he looked nervous, nervous, and a bit uh, uh, rushing things uh, because he is not fully integrated. And I think it's not uh, really a concern. Uh, Barcelona should not count on him to make the difference this season. Next season, it will be the, his real uh, start with the team. Uh, and uh, the same could be said about uh, Coutinho. Now, Adil, that's all the time we've gone for today. It's been a pleasure to have you here. Where can our listeners follow your work online? Uh, especially on Twitter. Uh, the handle is Barca19stats. Uh, it's not really a professional uh, account. It's more of a personal account where I post mainly stats but I also discuss everything Barcelona and, uh, and everything football uh, I hope I I can bring some some knowledge and some 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 interesting facts via the the, the stats and the, the, the streaks I, I tweet about and uh, I always uh, appreciate any feedback Really great stuff again from Adil. Frances, thanks for doing that. And again, the second part of that interview can be found in our second show, which will be out later in the week. Now time for La Ronda, or La Ronda de Preguntas, as we try to answer some of those listener questions. But first, we've got an update on Barcelona B and the Barcelona Femini. Real quick, Barcelona B struggled again at home, this time falling one nothing to Alcorcón. And that's the second time they've fallen to... That rivaled this so, so far this season. The loss pushes them back down to 17th on 30 points. One point ahead of 19th place, Cultural Leonesa. So again, the Barcelona B team led by Carlos Alenia, who's been very vocal. He's been a very good leader, both in the press and in the locker room. And he said that they have to get back to their winning ways, certainly, as again, they're only one point away from the drop zone. Meanwhile, Barcelona Femini, good news for them. A 3-0 win over Santa Teresa and a brace by Barbara Latore. And a goal from Alexia Puteas 
A draw from Atletico Madrid this week puts Barcelona back on top. So while Barcelona took care of business, Atletico Madrid just settled for a draw. And that means they're back up two points atop the table. But then their next three matches, now here's where we have to raise the alarm bells, are with Athletic, Valencia, and Atletico Madrid. The three teams, two, three, and four behind them in the table. So this being the most important stretch of the season for them, at least in the league. And then next month, they take on Lyon, which is one of the best sides in the entire world. So they have a tough, tough month ahead through the Femini. But again, they put themselves in a good spot here. Two points atop the table. Frances, do you want to go to any of the questions now? We've got three. Let's do it. First from Canary and Blue, and that, of course, being the Brazilian podcast that you were on a few months ago, Frances. So a little bit of love shared between us and Canary and Blue. And they asked, what do you think is Coutinho's, who's obviously a Brazilian, best position? And is there any avenue for him to play that role at Barcelona? And you actually talked a little bit about this earlier, Frances, that you don't see him necessarily as a Barcelona DNA type player. But for me, I do. I think it's just going to take a little bit of time for him to figure out exactly where his teammates are going to be in time. But he is a guy that can move the ball quickly. And when you're playing alongside Messi and the likes of Suarez, who can just get on the end of any ball, then I think he's the kind of guy that's going to fit really, really well with those three. And they even pick him up at his house every now and again, Frances. And they're going to do everything they can to make that the new trident. Which is brilliant. Um, I really do think that Coutinho, having cost the amount of money that he has... Um, it's great that he has that support network and if you're going to have Messi and Suarez sort of taking you as chauffeurs to the Camp Nou, then you know you're in a privileged position, which is fantastic. Now, what I did say earlier about the Barca DNA, um, Coutinho was not raising La Masia and that's great, you know, because if we were all tiny little robots, then the world would be just so boring and, and Barca need those players that can add that extra different bit of magic, you know, that... Desborde, that ability to dribble, that ability to do the unexpected, like the couple of shots that we got against Getafe that were the best, beyond Jerry Mina's headers, were the two that Coutinho had from outside the area. Um, a lot of people have been talking about Barca's lack of variety attacking, and that's what Coutinho can bring. Like, but I think what, what we shouldn't ask him to be is a repetition, and actually photocopy of, of Iniesta, because he just isn't. Um, so I think the team, and that's what Valverde is trying to do right now, the team, Valverde and his teammates need to be able to maximize each other's um, strengths and adapt a little bit so that everyone can feel comfortable within the system. But Coutinho can add everything that he added to Liverpool at Barca. We just need to be sure that the situation is as great as it can be at the Camp Nou for him. Certainly. Charlie Barca asked, should we keep Digne as a center back? He looked a lot happier playing there. And unfortunately, the answer is we have Vermelian, we have Mina, we don't need Digne at center back, we have depth there, we need him to be the backup left back, but the only silver lining, I think, is hopefully his time at center back gives him the confidence to play at left back, because that's really what it seems to me, that Digne, there's, there's little bits that you can see that he has the quality, he may not have the speed of Jordi Alba on the wing, but he certainly does have the, the quality with the ball at his feet, and he just seems to be lacking the confidence. He looked like a different player, didn't he? Playing in the center there, um, no Piqué, no Umtiti, so having to share as well with Jerry Mina, who also was um, in his debut, come no debut for him. Um, he was, as I said, a completely different person even. Um, he looked very confident. His pass accuracy was 96%. He recovered 13 balls and he didn't commit a single foul. Now, I think that is remarkable, whatever your name is, whether it's Digne or Beckenbauer, I think that that's pretty good. Now, um, I think, again, you're spot on, and Digne's main role has to be 
deputizing for Jordi Alba whenever he's unavailable or in need of rest. So I think that's that's where he needs to stay. But his confidence going through the roof because you know everyone's been talking and raving about his performance against Getafe. That's only going to be a positive. But you know, left back first, and if we're ever as desperate as we were this week, then why not a centre back? But let's start with the left back for Digne. Final question of the day from Blessed Guebo. Isco or Asensio this summer if they're available? And this is a tough one. I mean, the answer is they're probably not going to find their way to the camp. No, because there's no reason that Florentino Perez would ever sell those two to Barcelona. But Isco apparently is not too happy with the way things are going at Real Madrid. But for me, we may be very critical of Real Madrid oftentimes, but... For me, I think they have to have the sense to understand that those two players, probably more than any other two on the team, are important to Real Madrid's future, and there's no way that they should let either of those two players leave. And I don't think they would. No, no, they're not going to. They're not going to. I mean, if you just hear the Bernabeu crowd, um, Isco and Asensio are probably the names they chant the louder um, in the whole game, whenever Isco comes on. And I think that's the key, that Isco's not really starting every game as... Let's face it, a player of his quality should be doing already, particularly the way that Madrid have been playing throughout the season. Obviously, they're picking up the last couple of games, which, you know, it would worry me if they weren't 17 points behind. Um, Let's say that again, 17. So, yeah, I mean, if Isco was available, of course, sign him. Asensio, not that sure. But I just don't think it's going to happen because, as you said, Florentino is quite clever when he needs to be. And they also have PSG in Champions League, so that's going to be a tough road ahead as well so either way Cristiano Ronaldo or Neymar will not be in the next round of the Champions League quite interesting there but anyway back to Barcelona as we bid our adieu thanks so much for listening again you can check out iTunes Google Play wherever you get the pod and give us five stars that would be great to help spread the news about the show so again thanks for listening bringing the hottest breaking stories from the camp no we've got another show coming up this week and tune into that one of course on the Patreon as well. And until next time, Forza Barca. Forza! Forza.